up all you addicts out there? Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Fishing Podcast. If you guys are tuning in on YouTube, thank you so much. Do not forget tap that little subscribe button. And on all those other platforms, if you can, leave us a review, especially on iTunes and all those platforms. It really helps getting these podcasts out there. And today we have another little special guest in the studio. You want to introduce yourself, man? Randy Bales from Lured Beads and Guide Servers. Um, See, that's I don't hate beads so much that I won't have Randy into the studio. <laughs> I think it's more or less the people are just demanding it that's so much true. that you finally just have to cave. Yeah, because everybody she can't wants beat to him, talk join them, Marlon. Yeah, you can't <laughs> beat them, join them. Wants to talk the beads. Just like anything else, they all have their time and place. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. And when Randy got here, I mean, I told myself this year I was going to fish him more, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to fish him just as much as I always have. A lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so what? Is, well, I mean, what is it? Diving why, right into it. Why do beads work so good? I don't know. I think it's more about color and speed. Is why you know beads kind of they encourage a certain bite from steelhead that they're just kind of in tune to go after. You know, it's a natural presentation. They're a species that lives in the river a lot for a long amount of time, for the most part, and they're just used to eating them. It's a pro, it's a profile. Yeah. They they first thing they eat is you know the egg sac, so they have a built-in um, almost radar for it. It's the most natural thing to them to grab. Um, they see it from different species, you know, trout, salmon, steelhead. I mean, they they interact in it their whole life. Can you tell me what species um, shoots out a bead that's like? 20 the millimeters, 28 millimeters, 32 <laughs> millimeters. What what species so, is spawning eggs that big in the rivers? This would be like a cluster, maybe. It's a big fish. So anything on the water is is uh, magnified for one. So right. you know the smallest seven mil bead could look bigger. You know it's going to magnify on the water. So you get up to the salmon size, which is, you know, a bigger one is pushing that 11 to 12 maybe, right, and when it's super swollen. So that's going to look maybe 14 or even bigger underwater, especially magnified. And then the clarity of the water is going to even add to that and depth, you know, or, or light conditions. Even there's a bazillion things that can change the outlook of what colors and um, what presentation you want for water conditions um depth of water alone speed of water um it's just funny i just think it's crazy how it just keeps progressing into like bigger and bigger beads i'm just well, like when does it end so like profile just like you like to fish rubber worms mm -hmm. that big big profile they see it coming further in the run they can line up with it and it's an aggression bite at that point i would assume right um because you know they're they're I've seen steelhead. I, see, I personally think you know, that worms are a natural presentation. I think that those steelhead, the same way they are for a bead, they are accustomed to eating night crawlers, baby lamprey. There's so many things in the river that looks like a worm that I think that that's what triggers those fish to eat them bite. so well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just like a just like a bead or an egg, natural egg is an instinct bite. And your color change changes the profile exactly. Right. Yep. You yeah. know, and like. Um, Definitely one thing I've noticed is when uh, you got like water water clarity, the fish get lethargic. They don't want to exert a lot of energy to run clear across a run to grab something. Um, prime example is I've seen 
steal it late in a run and throw throw out there with you know a small presentation thinking okay eight or ten mil something small and they won't even move two feet to grab that same color same color bead go to like a 16 mil throw it out and completely miss the part you know the, the cast yeah the cast you know and i've watched that steelhead slowly slide over and get in line with that bead and just wait for it to come down to them and just grab it because they didn't they, they didn't have to yeah away. they didn't yeah. have to exert any energy you know if the, if the meal ain't going to be worth what they're exerting when they're cold my theory is they're 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 conserving right you know and you know same with a worm um mm -hmm. you know especially fast water presentation you know when you're using a small bead in fast water they're not going to see it they need a bigger profile when it comes ripping by to make that that sharp turn and, and lunge at it you know bigger jigs same thing um you know bigger beads worms in that fast broken water you know where it's really turbulent and they're they're trying to hold their own you know they're 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 fighting to stay where they're at plus they see that bigger profile and they will instantly grab it and so it really it can add to a lot of fish just by fishing that bigger profile in that type of water broken water now i've definitely Crazy. become more of a i guess it kind of it happened fast when I started going to bigger beads. I don't go above 14 mil really ever, and I just don't need to. Um, a lot of the places that I try to fish or try to guide are a little less pressured, so it's not, you know, I don't need something that much different than what everybody else has as far as, like, going right. to that big presentation. Right. Like, if you're floating some of the coastal streams in Oregon or Washington, and there's 14 boats, 50, some, you know, legitimately 50 Absolutely. sometimes, you got to have something to throw the fish out that's what it's all about that's why that's why i i get such a this is a big tangent this is why i like curse some fly fishermen sometimes because the fun about fishing is figuring out what you can get them on and like how to get them so mm -hmm. when you get really one track mind like oh i only i don't fish 14 mil beads that's stupid it's like well well then i guess you don't like catching fish you know because i'm not saying it's the best but sometimes it's really what it takes um but i don't go above 14 and it you know there's not much in the river or anywhere that it looks is a presentation or a natural presentation that looks like a 14 mil bead with a slick of chrome on it. You know what I mean? Like all these weird different patterns that you have, um, but it just gets that fish to react to it. Exactly. It's, I think a bead is as much of a reactionary bite as, it, as a spinner. It's so not more you, natural, but it's just as much about reaction. When you up your presentation... Is, is it changing the uh, movement of the bead a lot in the water? Like, are, it changes is it the going buoyancy faster? Is it of going it. slower? Is it going, what's it doing? You know, I, I run a lot of doubles, and I think a bigger bead uh, at times fishes a little bit slower because it's more buoyant. And a lot of times you can drag harder because it's holding your, your weight up off the bottom more. And, you know, you can fish a big bead slower in a run than you can a bunch of little beads. You know, like, a, you know, like a, an 8 mil or a 6 mil, that's for more, like, you know, diff different style of water. Yeah, I mean, for speed, really, that, to me, that what determines that is how much weight you're running mm -hmm. for drag. Mm -hmm. um, the bigger beads tend to um, roll versus bounce along the bottom. It, what I've noticed is they'll, they'll more like slide. I guess because there's enough buoyancy and weight there that they'll kind of drag through the rocks more so than a lighter bead that's will lift with every current a and upwelling, yeah, yeah. upwelling and and stay more like a snake through the rocks versus 
one it bounces off the point of a rock and lifts a foot and the air then comes back down yeah i, I think it kind of rolls into another subject about bees but the speed more than the color or size or anything is what's most important. We were just talking about that exactly. with when we went up north. Came. Whether That's you're exactly using we pencil lead or you're using a Dave's Tangle or you're using a slinky, I've seen one or the other fish outfish something Absolutely. that many more times that that many times in even my short life. You know, like there's some rivers that I I'm using a piece of pencil lead because it sticks to the rocks and it slows my presentation down. And, and then there's other like coastal rivers that I'm gonna use a Dave's Tangle because I'm it's, my this pencil lead sticking too hard. I can't yeah. fish the run. You know, you know, you talk about slowing that presentation down, and even when we're like bobber and jig fishing, and you're fishing like in that riffle or the run, and your bobber's cruising the same water speed, and it just hits that spot where it just slows down, just and you can tell it's like there's something under the water that's slowing that down. Yeah, whenever you're dragging a bead, and you actually have that water that can push it, and that water that bead gets down to where the water's a little slower against the rock, slows it up, gives the fish a little bit more time mm -hmm. to present. That's why I think that's, and honestly, that's why I don't fish a lot of bead stuff that unless the water's really moving, yeah. because I feel like when you do have a lot of moving water, or like when the water's up, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not as traversed in bead fishing as you know. So these, you know, so you guys, of course, but it, I think it slows it down. Yeah. And it just, like I said, it's just that much longer, that much more of a look, that much more of an easy target for a steelhead. The exact reason why I've always fished and why I designed the Mustad float, because it slows your presentation down. When that bobber sinks in with that much buoyancy, and it's, it just slows it down. It mm -hmm. slows down the jig and the presentation moving down the run. Yeah. Especially when they're in cover. And like today, Jordan and I were fishing, the water was low. And we were really working a lot of riffles. We were really working a lot of kind of stuff. And shoot, the only time uh, <laughs> the only time we managed to find fish was when we found just kind of like a slow opportunity with it being so cold that our fish probably had a chance to come over and grab our stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the number one thing I see guys do wrong fishing uh, beads is they are not keeping it tight to the bottom. Like... Suspended beads will not even not be on work. the line. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does not work. You have to be tight. I mean, an egg is the most natural thing to a fish, right? Their their fins are usually touching the rocks when they're holding in the water, and so that bead has got to be within six inches of the bottom, or if not, along the bottom at all times if you want to get bit. And yeah. Maybe that's why the bobber dog is just so damn effective. It is. It's it, drift it, fishing for dummies, though. I've always but said. But it's always dragging. It, it, I mean, you're yeah. looking for the drag. strike indicator. Yeah. Exactly. If what everybody knew how to drift fish beads, there it's would deadly. be way more fish it's caught. It's so deadly. <laughs> like, but you're talking, you're talking you about get rid just of that matching. Float, the... and it's just like when we took the floats off in Alaska for the trout. You started landing more fish, and you started catching more fish. Yeah. Because it, it made a huge difference. Yeah. It's all about speed. Yep. It made a huge difference. Like getting it down at first was hard, but then once you did, it was like, wow, you could cook a fish every cast. And <laughs> you know, one thing about especially drift fishing beads, there's different applications for bazillion type beads to be effective, especially drift fishing. I mean, if you're dragging like my pure acrylic beads, they are made to get down and get down quick. And but yet when they're in the water, they will lift and drop. A little heavier than a natural egg will. Okay, so it's not overkill. It's not like in the rocks you're but not. But it's keeping you down. It's in the keeping strike you zone. down. And and ideally, fishing those is that fast, heavy water that you can't get a bobber down in. If you put that on and drift fish that down through there, it's just like right there. And it's it's, it's one of the most violent grabs on a bead drift fish, and almost like a spinner is the way they how aggressive they hit those. 
Um, and it's, it, you know, it, it'll cover water. You can't cover with a float drift fishing. Yeah. So, I mean, people are missing out. There's, there's so many runs that you'll go from a foot, two foot of water that drops in a, a little pocket, six, eight foot deep. And a bobber dog and rig is not going to set up in time, you know, it's going to skate right over top. And then, so you can literally pick up another fish right there. Is that because there were, especially in low conditions when there's a lot of boat traffic, those fish are going to tuck right up in there tight and guys just blow right over the, I, I love stopping at those and, you know, scratching fish out of those little pockets. Cause it's just, it's adds to more fish in the boat for your clients and, and uh, it can save the day, honestly. Yeah. yeah. We've kind of been all over the place with this conversation, Sorry. everybody. We, we apologize, but there's just so much. That's why everybody's I think, gets so riled I mean, up. we've been beads. talking about beads the whole time. So I know, I but we're just jumping back and forth. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, all different subjects of it. Wise, yeah. But there's just so much. To, you know, it's a very versatile. I guess the whole point that I'm trying to make is it's a very versatile technique. It does not fish well in some water conditions or some holes, but there's other spots that, you know, it's if you've never done it and you're not trying it, you're leaving a lot of fish on the table. You know, and if we've proved it in a lot of addicted lives and, a lot of guides across the Northwest have proved it over the last few years that there's a right and a wrong way to fish them. You don't just put them on and throw them in there, mm -hmm, you right. know, but it's more of your technique and your method and how you fish them, which we stress all the time. That's why we make all these tutorials for you guys, but it's more about how you're fishing that bead, like what Randy's saying and like how he designs his beads to fish certain ways as far as depth and presentation than it is any color you can either sit there at the bar and talk about like what color your favorite beat is i mean you're pretty you're pretty anal about what colors you're fishing yeah but still oh, like, give me so, any bead and we can make it work is what, what i'm what saying what any happens, bead in front of the fish is better yeah. than no bead in front yeah, of the fish probably exactly. right <laughs> what happens is you know <laughs> you know how many fish i've caught on beads in the last i watched you catch five like years. 25 in one day so don't say anything bad <laughs> oh i guess those weren't beads those were those were Steel soft eggs. eggs. Yeah, those were soft eggs. There were beads on the line, though. <laughs> there were very tiny, soft beads. <laughs> oh, you know, Which it, now it we have boils some. down to a profile. Yeah. That round profile, fish are used to seeing it growing up, you know, their whole life. And, you know, uh, it's been proven clear beads will actually catch fish. It's because of that profile. Well, and it goes back to the. That is the stupidest thing it's I've true. ever heard. When, when, when Grant was posting those, I was like, come on. I'm like, you think about it, though. You get a nice run, and you know the fish are there. Like, see, that's one thing about a clear bead. Like, I, I was really thinking about Flossers. that. Like, they're not seeing that bead. Flossing. No, that's I, exactly I, what I think that. it's really hard to floss, truly with floss with a bead. Right? Because if they grab the bead, they've got the line <laughs> and the hook on one yep. side right. if they grab just the line and that beads on the outside followed by the hook and you pull that through you don't think that that like would alert no, the dude. fish you're going to drag a 14 mil through both sides of the jaw 14 mil. and find the hook you don't use a 14 no. mil you use a 6 mil clear yeah. <laughs> use a 6 mil clear <laughs> I hope guys <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you think about it, you got clear water and you know where the fish are. You know, they don't need to see something that's maybe 20 feet ahead of them to line up like you're talking about. But I bet by the time that thing saw it, it was three feet in front of them and they said, oh, what the hell? And they just reacted to it. Well, that's what right. I was just going to go yeah. into. Is we, I think How a lot of us forget sometimes. The profile. It probably still looks. They're reflecting off of the, different. the sky color or whatever. I'm sure that you could see something, you know. But you go back to the main point at hand is. Steelhead are a trout. 
and like it, how actual trout like when people nymph and like the whole check nymphing stuff and all that like you don't even almost no need something natural well, just any kind of like bug fishing like you don't need no one knows what that is <laughs> trout and steelhead that they don't have you know, like as Lonnie would say they don't have eyelids they don't have hands they don't touch things with hands they touch things with their mouth yeah and there's you know like that's why there's such big problems with algae and stuff on a lot of rivers in the northwest because these trout everything that comes by them they put in their mouth they spit it out and they push it through their gills and 60 percent of the time it's actually something to eat mm-hmm. and they identify that and they swallow it but all these fish are getting you know filled up with algae and stuff into their stomachs and they're dying because they're becoming malnourished they're full but they can't eat anymore but there's nothing yeah it's just algae no, then still they do the same thing like with beads and stuff you know that's why we stress not to set the hook with them because that fish is going to grab it and go back to where it was i mean it's not you know it's a very natural take and it's they're trout they, they want to put things that they're familiar with in their mouth whether they're going to keep it there or not they're going to grab it spit it out grab, you know it's just how they act contrary right. to salmon that don't that don't do that they're killers you know mm-hmm. and uh, one thing about beads a lot of a lot of times they will grab it and two or three times before they even oh, though yeah. you got a bite you'll, yeah you'll or see, nothing's yeah, happening or nothing's yeah. happening because a lot of a lot of guys don't realize but if you're fishing bobber dog and right, that bead is in front of your weight below your weight going downstream. So your your line will be at a 45, right, back to the weight. Then the current is swung that weight mm-hmm. around below the weight. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally going straight into the mouth, yep. just like you were back trolling that bead right into the fish. That's yep. flossing right into it. Yeah, no. dead center right in the gut. Yeah, <laughs> right down its throat. Right down That's flossing with efficiency right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and you know how many times I've had that conversation. You know, it's like if you're good enough to floss a steelhead or a salmon with a bobber, with your presentation going straight down river, yeah. then I want to shake your hand. Right. Because I could do it swinging it across the tail. Yeah. Out. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But no, you're right. Honesty. But, you're right. You know Either the weight is no, in front of the true. beads, straight in front of it, or it's straight behind right. it. There's no And it all yeah. depends on the float you're yeah. running and how fast it's dragging it in order to keep that presentation either behind or in front. Yeah. I am very particular on my floats. I have literally hundreds of floats in a bag on my boat that I pick up off the river, and I will use six of them. Right. <laughs> like, I'm very particular on shape. You know, and and so this, this whole bobber dog and started you know to help pull it down river um it also acts as almost a little boat paddle behind that bobber it catches the current and it kind of pre-hooks the fish and stings it just a little bit to give clients or if you're not paying attention a little longer hook set mm-hmm. you know and it it's it's kind of and plus most people don't know how to keep that extra you know foot and a half two foot of line in front of the bobber to create the drag so that that flat bobber that's like that's really part made of, the difference in that yeah that part of bead fishing is like trying to teach somebody how to twitch right you know what i mean it's just that one little you're it's a visual it's something that you have to oh, learn that's, that's visual that, that, you can't we don't even explain. start a side drifting trip out of ice sled until they learn that because yeah. the runs we fish can be like 300 yards long yeah. and when you have like fast currents and you have seam lines if you're fishing them right and you're laying the line right on the surface that bobber will draw into those seam lines. And last I heard, that's where a lot of steel had like to hold yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And so like, yeah, that's, 
that's the first thing. We ain't, we ain't leaving this first run until you guys know how to stop <laughs> sliding the bobber towards the damn boat. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that was, one. that's another thing is... What a jerk. Um, <laughs> depends how you're rigged up. Um, some of the a longer straight leader technique, um, I really like that it's hard for people to cast. It really is. But that mm -hmm. instantly fishes. When you cast it out, it instantly fishes, and it'll fish anywhere from two foot of water to, you know, six, eight foot of water. But what that technique can save the day with guys that can cast it, and because they can hit that pinpoint water that's two foot deep behind a broken rock, where it's just, you know, and the fish are pushed off to the side on, on runs when there's high pressure. And those fish will grab and bite in that two foot water just like they will in a, a six foot run, but nobody's casting there. And that's where a jig with a bead dropper also comes into play. Those are all oh, the old jig bead and Roy. You know, those really, <laughs> they, even Roy has a time and place, yeah. you know, and those really add up. But, you know, the guy the, who's ever fishing that method has to be, um, I almost call it walking the dog because you have to, at that point, you cannot let it just drag. Mm -hmm. You have to pick up the slack Those out the of the line. Takes too. You have to pick just up the slack, and you're helping hand. that bobber along to keep that line tight. You're drift so fishing, basically. Yeah, you're yep. drift fishing with a side planer, almost with a side planer, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's still going straight down river, yep. but you help it along. Walk walk the dog. That's exactly how I explain it to my people. I say help it. You know, help, like, it, help along, it along. Lay you know, your line back down. Pull against it. You know, help it along. It adds up to extra fish. Yep. And as as a guide, that's the that's huge. I mean, because it's so contrary yeah. to what we stress constantly. Like get your natural drift, but then there's that. As a guy, like I, I yeah, always tell people, if you go with a guy and you'll get contradicted too, right? 15 times, you went with the bad guy. You know what I mean? Because I will say to do one thing a certain way in one hole and go to the next one and be like, forget everything I just told you. you got to do it like this now. <laughs> you know, and people are just like, God, well, come on, you know, but exactly different, like that method. Different water. And beads really amplify fish, that. You know, and they, in a, in a full run when you're drifting, man, it, and if it's slow out or there's high pressure, that one fish can make the difference because it could be, you know, it could be a fish of a lifetime size-wise, especially on a bead. I mean, no. <laughs> no. Biggest fish, the biggest yeah, fish I've tangled with in the last six years, I lost on a bead, so I don't want to hear that. You know, the biggest fish I caught in my life was on a six mil bead. So. <laughs> so you know, that doesn't it, count. Between... It's it's that aggressive bite. You know, All the other biggest a, ones I've got on a bead, I couldn't land. The most natural thing That's what you know, to me. is an egg profile. That's all you're doing is you're mimicking an egg, you know, and that's it, plain and simple. Um, whether it doesn't matter what what brand per se, but they have to have the right movement in the water, which is crucial, absolutely crucial. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't. Yeah, so let's. Say, I think that's a good transition point to talk a little bit about like what. So talk a little bit about your business and why you started it and what you do and all that jazz. So. Lured Beads started uh, years ago. Um, actually, I started uh, airbrushing spinnerblades, and I couldn't get the colors I want. Started building spinnerblades, and that's how I kind of rolled into having uh, a bead a bead source to get things made. And uh, some friends went to Alaska, and they learned how to bead fish in Alaska. They brought the technique back here. 
and it's it, it dominated. It stayed. We kept it quiet for about five years. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then it just kind of blew up at that point. And at that point, it's like you know, I had to I had to get things in such a bolt. <laughs> you went from putting on last in the morning to putting yeah. on first. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It didn't yeah. matter who you called that yeah. river. It did not matter. Yeah. You can fish behind anybody. You still can if you know what you're doing. Yeah, but you not know, like it used not, to be. We don't have a fish like Not when nobody had ever seen a 14 mobile. Don't. Let's not go there. <laughs> so There was more but, fish, so, but still. Um, we started the website. We, it's just me and my wife. Um, Luredbythebead.com. And we... I mean, it's, it's me and her doing it. We have a couple of close friends that help us, you know here and there and it's just doubled every year the amount of amount of people and customers has been amazing um it's it's been a game changer absolutely and so you manufacture you paint and then you have a couple products that are like in their own realm that no one else is making right so uh we have our acrylic bead line which is a uh, a bead that's completely ground round to get the clarity of glass. That was the whole point was the eggs are clear, you can transparent, you can see through them. So without bubbles in the bead, it gives it that more true profile and a little more dense. So it, it will sink to the bottom and roll across the rocks with very minimal water effort. So it's almost perfectly balanced. In order to get a perfectly balanced bead, I had to develop uh, which I call an incognito. Mm -hmm. This is okay. Our, yeah. So this bead is a handmade bead. I make them by hand. It's the only way they exist, and it's a long process. I mean, it's. Basically, but essentially, it's a yeah, hard. It's a, bead. In a nutshell. In yeah. a nutshell. In a nutshell. It's it's a hard bead with a soft bead cover. There's no good way of fishing a bead that's not a long process. Right. From the from making no. your bead to no. or finding it at the store or rigging your leader or any it's all like that is a it's well, for the <laughs> yeah, consumer though for the consumer though, though, no, no, the, for the consumer, yeah. though now it's a no brainer. Right. Especially right. if you want to run a soft bead and let's talk about Right. So the difference between an incognito and a hard bead, right? So I wanted the fishability of a hard bead. With the soft feel of a of a actual soft bead, so that way okay. when the fish grabs onto it, it holds on a little longer. Yeah, right? they hold on to it a little bit longer. You can scent them. Okay, so that was a big part of it. Um, they hold scent and they hold the color. You have a double UV uh, reflection. It's a 3D effect. You get a prism effect with the hard bead that has UV. Then you have the UV on the outside shell, right there. That is the soft cover. All the, they all have holes in them. You can thread them on your line just like a regular bead. But unlike a, a soft bead, which I mean, I do have soft beads too, but they all have the time and place. But I wanted something that was the best of both worlds. So I took a hard bead, put a soft bead cover on it, and the fishability of a hard bead because it stays put. When you put that on, it stays on your stop. It does not slide over top of your stop, and it is not a throwaway bead. At the very minimal, if you could tear off that cover, you still have a fishable bead at the end of the day. So you're getting two beads for the price of one. 
I haven't even seen this cover ripoff, which is exactly. now, now that you said that, like for the two years I've been fishing right. when you came out, like I've never seen a cover ripoff. And right. I was just thinking, it, like, I don't really, you know, and, no, some I, of, and I, they I, get, and they get used a ton because of the way, like you said, the way that you can peg them and fish them. Exactly. You fish one bead, like you all day. will lose the bead before you tear it off. Yeah. And the only, sure. only, only time I've seen a cover get close to being ter ter torn off is, uh, Grant Roulette. He, uh, I think he landed like 12 or 13 fish on one single bead, sent me a picture of it, and it just gnarly chewed up. And he pulled it off and saved it as a trophy. Kind of a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, your, that's your killer fish with all the paint ripped off. Yeah, mantle. exactly. You know, exactly what yeah. it is. And, and you'll find that that if you catch some fish on certain beads, they be, they're like super fishy for something about the, the buoyancy in them or the balance. And that's one thing that the incognito has. It, I took, it, it makes the balance so amazing on that bead that it's almost the perfect match of an egg drop in the water. It'll lift and swirl with this minimal water movement. And then it, the rate it drops is almost a perfect egg balance. And that's why I've had such good luck on and success. Yeah, see, I don't care about any of that. Because the one thing you can do, no, no this no, I, I, I do know. care about that. But the one but, thing that I love about it is if you tie the little glass bead in there, you know, two and a half inches above your hook, three inches, whatever you prefer, you're now running a soft bead and you're not going to mess. That bead is never going to slide past that glass, clear, tiny little stop all day. You will never adjust your bead all day and you're fishing a soft bead. And there's no other bead out there. There's no other way to pin it there's no other technique that you can get the longevity out of a bead like you're saying catch 12 13 fish on a single bead without having to adjust it one time right and there's and for clients and for ease and for like you know you cast out you're starting to bobber dog that really long run and you give your rod a little pump because it hung in the rock a little bit like oh wait did that just pull my bead down on the hook and now you're sitting there drifting 100 yards thinking about it like oh is that bead against exactly. the hook it so does it matter so, like, it just, yeah. dude, it's at, just automatic at that, now at that point as a guide i got frustrated with soft beads mm -hmm. and because my clients were missing runs they were missing the spot where yep. i wanted them to cast where i knew there was fish and at that point i'd rather have them fish a hard bead yeah because they're going to get bit all they got to do is set the hook that's the only difference you know, you, you don't have that, not always. I mean, I've seen them take down hard beads with a vengeance. Yeah, know? but I mean, at the end of the day, like, the guys that are real particular, I mean, yeah, hard beads work, soft beads work. But, you know, the merits of, like, soft beads, like you said, you can scent them. They hold on a little longer, they seem like. Give the client a little more of a chance. Like, you know, when you're talking on these tough days of fishing, you know, okay, yeah, because you've pegged that glass bead, that might give you like a 10% more chance. And then you're fishing a soft bead. It's a little, little more of a chance. You put a little scent on there, a little more of a chance. Like you start upping your game and you start fishing real efficiency or fishing real efficient. You're never going to miss. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, that bead is never going to slide down. It's and never so, going to give you a headache. You're never your going to mess with it. You're going to cast faster. What's that? <laughs> unless you leave your bail up. <laughs> yeah. right. Unless you don't set the hook with the, the damn little steelhead takes your jig. Five feet from boat. Right. So, in what cases? Why? Where would you fish a hard bead, and where would you fish a soft bead? Why would you switch? Why would you rotate? I don't. You fish hard beads. Right? I only fish beads for colors. Like I, I mean, I don't. There's a couple of, like the soft, like the B and R soft bead colors that I think are just good colors. There's nothing about the bead itself that like 
changes how it fishes. It's just a good, it's a good shade. It's a good profile, you know, and there's I mean, certain, there's certain, fall faster. well, yeah, there's certain, um, I mean, the fall faster thing for me is like adapting your weight to it, but I don't fish as many of the gravel wash coastal streams as a lot of people do that fish feeds in the winter, you know, but then, um, Again, I just be like the ones of Rand. Like, there's just like certain beads of Randy's that I'd want to fish, and it doesn't really have for me at least. Doesn't have as much to do with the texture or the the buoyancy. It's just more of like that's a that's a good bead. You know what I mean? That's a great profile. So see, like for me, for until he came out with the incognito, whenever I'll just say it, screw it. Whenever I was fishing on my sled, I was doing really, 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 really long runs. For me, it was always hard bead because I know from the top when I was tying the little glass bead in. I know from the top to bottom, I was fishing that run. And sometimes, I mean, you're dragging, I mean, how long are some of those runs? I yeah. mean, you it's, could, you could you bottle on a five or ten minute like run. And you're just you're just going along. And you're right. So I'd always run hard beats on that river. Or when I was doing that technique. Just always, always, always. Fish the small stuff. You know, just run it like, you know, a sliding bobber and one split shot and then one bead. And you're just fishing like tighter water, smaller riffles. You're casting repeatedly a lot. Then I would use the soft beads to get the merits of the soft bead. But like, so it wasn't so much like, it, I think they both work. But it was, yeah. yeah, it was more for the performance of the bead. Well, now like with incognito, I'll fish an incognito yep. just about freaking anywhere now. Right. It's, it's universal everywhere. I mean, it really is. Um, it's been a game changer for the just the the fishability and durable fishability there that's the one i should have been saying yep. fishability, fishability. <laughs> it's a much and, it's a yeah. very effective right. product it's the best of both worlds yep. Yep. and very, that's why really i mean i worked on it for over two years to get it right and that's why i have to build them by hand because i can't show somebody how to do this and my standard that i want to put out is at such a level that it's not worth to to pawn it off you know, because I, I, you know, it's under the lured name, and it better be that quality, otherwise it, you won't see it. You know, how long does it take you to make one bead start to finish? Dry times, like if you want to just make one bead, you set out everything set up, but just the process. I mean, are you? In, I mean, it's got to be a long time. It's lots of man hours. I mean, I mean, you're doing you, batches you, of them. I get it. I, I do. I can do batches at a time, but the prep and mm -hmm. then. One little one little screw up in that prep work will screw up hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. Oh geez. Okay, so it's not worth to have somebody else try and do it because if I just take my time at it mm -hmm. and and not rush it, then I can you know I mean, three hundred beads I'll have fifteen hours, fifteen to twenty hours. No oh, geez. Because That's if you insane. think about if you think about it, that three hundred beads though is going to be different colors that are not if it was one color then i could cut that down yeah but to get those different colors in that big box are oh, you talking to, about for making like yeah, guide to, packs yeah like a guide your, pack your for box, example yeah. that's why i i express hey this box takes me 20 to 25 hours to build this thing because each thing each color is a different mix different different adjustment different mm -hmm. size especially if you know if it was all one color one size no problem yeah i mean i can i can do that and in a quarter of the time. Jeez. So it's, you know. Well, I mean, from guys that are just like grabbing beads and repurposing them and repackaging them versus actually creating something that's, that's just like a, it's like a, like 
oh, what was the word I'm looking for? Like a boutique bead. An, like it's it's just it's a <laughs> it's a custom bead. Yeah. That is, I guess it would fall under, um, just like a, a major thing. It would not exist unless somebody hand does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it shows. You, you know the, the yeah, it's the, really cool. The hard beads, for example. Yeah, I can repackage those and and just boom out the door, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of those I custom paint. I I hand yeah. paint. I custom paint all my my beads in frost colors. On, then a lot of those, I'll even airbrush beads to give a, a, a damaged egg look on one side of the bead, like it was sitting on the like bottom. water hardened. Yeah, exactly. Side. And then I take that and some of those I put into my incognito. So you're looking at a bead that has been handled 11 times. One bead to get a finished product. So I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna remind my clients that when That's they're making evil. bad casts in trees and stuff, be like, you know, I, Randy's handled this bead eleven times and it took like three hours. That to make was that forty-four handlings. He screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and, you, you know, <laughs> and, uh, my beads. I'm not gonna say that mine are the cheapest beads out there, and they're not. You're they paying, shouldn't be you're for paying, that much you're paying time, for time and effort time. there. But you know what? Like you said, the fishability. Like I never well, have to adjust them. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so. you know, and I don't want to make them, but you know, I am. And you know, like, see, my time is so valuable. I work a full-time state job, eight hours, you know, 40 hours a week. Then I can do lure for another 40 hours a week, then guiding on weekends. So my time is so precious that it better be right and get done right, or I can't, it, it's not worth it. That's that cool. makes sense. That's really cool. Well, we got any addicted updates before we got to kick off of this thing? I can't remember what's really been happening lately. I know the Sportsman Show is coming up, so get excited, get excited for all that, addicts. We will have another booth at the Sportsman Show. Bash announcements very soon. Yep, we will have some January bash announcements. January. It sounds like we're only going to do a couple of them in January and then a couple of them in February just some from some requests from different locations around the Northwest that want us to come in February instead of January. So, yeah, yeah. Be on the lookout for those. And other than that, do not forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please leave us a review. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys on the river. Later, boys.